The second hour of the morning after begins right now, right here on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, and all across the SportsGrid network, I am Ben Stevens. For this second hour of the morning after, that becomes the early after. Kevin Walsh alongside me here in our Midtown Manhattan studios for another hour right here on the grid. Kevin, one of the co-hosts of The Early Line, each and every weekday morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. A great program alongside Donnie Wright. But Kevin here now in studio to go through so many things in the landscape of sports. We put the NFL to bed for just a couple of moments, and right now we focus on Major League Baseball. We will also get to some college hoops games, the Big Ten ACC Challenge in full swing this week with some great matchups that you need to know and hopefully find some edges for. And oh yeah, it's conference championship weekend in college football, but it's also the coaching carousel across the entire country. So much to discuss when it comes to college football as well. And the CFP poll will give us a new iteration of those rankings tonight, which means I have to give you my rankings in Ben's top six. That comes up a little bit later on. But Kevin, let's begin with the free agency frenzy right now in Major League Baseball. There might be an impending lockout on the horizon. Really, in about 24 hours from now, Major League Baseball might come to a standstill. Mm -hmm. So that might be why we are seeing some of these monumental moves across MLB, including the New York Mets making an amazing splash, signing Max Scherzer, the 37-year-old who finished second in the NL Cy Young voting this past year, who was with the Dodgers and the Nationals in this past 2021 MLB regular season, now headed to the Big Apple with the New York Mets. It will be Max Scherzer with a three-year deal for $130 million, an annual average value of $43 million a year. Kevin, some people were skeptical, not of the signing, but how much money Steve Cohen and the Mets paid for Max Scherzer, a 37-year-old right-handed pitcher. What say you? Well, let me ask you this, Ben. Is there a Please. salary cap in Major League Baseball? No. So then what's it matter? Well, you know what it must be? Is it coming out of Mets fans' pockets? No. Then what are we even talking about here? Who cares? Who cares? They got Max Scherzer. That's what they needed to pay to take him away from the West Coast. So the the money only matters if Big Steve goes, ah, that was a mistake. I'm going to never sign another human being again, which isn't going to happen. No. To be honest with you, if the Max deal doesn't work, he's just going to sign more people. Mets fans have been begging for this, and I'm bothered and honestly disappointed disappointed in New Yorkers who are taking a shot at this Max Scherzer deal because you should know better. You've been around this Mets fan base, this organization, and you should know that this is what they've been clamoring for. And this assumption that Scherzer is going to be injured is not really fair. The guy just finished top three in NL Cy Young. I think I should finish third. Someone okay. told me Zach Wheeler finished second, which uh. blew my mind because I thought Max should have won the award and he somehow checked in at third. But also, no one cares about baseball awards, including baseball. <laughs> Why didn't you give it out in April, guys? It's great, though. I'm doing a wonderful job. Look, the Max Scherzer deal is also important for this reason. I know Jacob DeGrom only goes once every five days, yep. but when they lost him, they lost it. They lost the plot, they lost the lead, and their season essentially ended. True. And you can't have it all rely on one arm. It was a great move that puts this team in the mix, and it gives 
confidence, Ben, to the organization, the locker room, and the fans. We welcome in our Sports Grid radio audience here. The second hour of the morning after on this Tuesday, Sirius XM, Channel 159, the Mightier 1090 out on the West Coast. It's Ben Stevens and Kevin Walsh live in studio with you on this Tuesday morning. The morning after becomes the early after for a second straight hour discussing some of the big free agency signings we have seen across Major League Baseball. And you're right, Kevin, for people maybe a little bit speculative of this move to bring in Max Scherzer to Queens up and flushing for the New York Mets right now. It has moved the marketplace. The New York Mets, when the last season came to an end and the Atlanta Braves won a World Series championship, the Mets were around 20 to 1, 22 to 1 to win the World Series for 2022. After the Max Scherzer signing, the New York Mets are tied for the third best odds to win the World Series right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook at 11 to 1 with the Chicago White Sox. So yeah, maybe it's a lot of money, but who cares? It moved the market in a very positive way for the New York Mets. You add Max Scherzer, you have Jacob deGrom. If they can stay healthy, that's the best one-two punch in all of Major League Baseball. The Seattle Mariners also, Kevin, adding to their starting staff yesterday, taking mm. the AL Cy Young winner out of the Great White North and bringing him to the Pacific Northwest. The Mariners signing Robbie Ray, a five-year deal worth $115 million, according to Jeff Passan of ESPN. A big deal to bring Robbie Ray out to the West Coast, up in Seattle, part of that AOS, Kev, where a lot is moving right now because the Texas Rangers, yes, those Texas Rangers also wheeling and dealing and handing out millions of dollars to improve their baseball team. You know how the Morris twins got the joint bank account in the yeah. NBA? You got to think Kyle caught court. He's like, hey, listen, man, I heard this thing these Morris guys are doing. We'll joint the bank accounts. No problem. 325. I'm sure I'll get a good enough deal. We'll make it work. But I think what you said is it's more important just the singular signing of a Robbie Ray or of a Corey Seager. It's about the AL West as a whole because it last year didn't feel like the Astros were truly being pushed. And maybe that's unfair to Seattle, but... You know that you didn't believe in Seattle, and mm. Houston probably didn't fear Seattle. But now you not only have the Mariners making moves and the Rangers making moves, but we saw the Angels start things off with Noah Syndergaard, and Oakland's weirdly always good. AOS West is going to be a battle next year, no doubt. The Astros, the second best odds to win the World Series, 10 to 1 right now on FanDuel. College Hoops, that's next year on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Right back here on the morning after on Sports Grid. We're diving through a lot of things right now on the morning after on this Tuesday. Sirius XM, Channel 159, the Mightier 1090 out on the West Coast as well and all across the Sports Grid Network. I'm Ben Stevens alongside Kevin Walsh, and there is so much to get to in this sports landscape. And right now, the focus is on collegiate athletics. It's conference championship weekend in college football. That's coming up here in just a couple of days. Oh, yeah, the coaching carousel is spinning at a rate that is so rapid. Sir Isaac Newton might need to study it in physics. Wow, didn't expect that 
analogy when I started speaking. Anyway, we also want to talk about some college basketball on this Tuesday because across the college hoops landscape, some great games going on right now. The Big Ten ACC Challenge. And last night, I don't know if Kevin wanted to discuss this or not, mm. but the Illinois Fighting Illini beat the Notre Dame Fighting Irish 82-72. That's all I have to say. Notre Dame is uh, not as good as our good friend of the program, Ken Palm, thinks. Uh, I just don't, I don't no. see it at all good for illinois because obviously we know that they had recently come off of a tough tough battle against was it ut rio grand <laughs> valley now look things are going hey look big 10 2-0 oh, in the big 10 acc challenge Boom. so a little a little momentum there that's all i wanted to really hear you say you're right though our good friend kp kenneth pomeroy as he is known had notre dame as the third highest rated team is in his efficiency rankings entering the year notre dame's odds win the acc right now though not all that splashy 25 to 1 around that eighth ballpark in the acc mm. right now but a lot of basketball left and listen illinois has not been great this year either they dropped out of the top 25 after a couple of questionable losses for the Illini. Iowa beat Virginia by one at the buzzer. Joe Toussaint, a native of the Bronx, also getting it done. So, like Kevin mentioned, the Big Ten, a perfect 2-0 straight up against the ACC in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. That also has some great games tonight. Mm. And so we go from the Walsh household's favorite team ah. in the Notre Dame Fighting Irish to the Walsh household's least favorite team and the Purdue Boilermakers, who are now the number two team in the country. Why? Because Purdue has been absolutely incredible so far this year. Tonight, in Mackey Arena, in West Lafayette, the Purdue Boilermakers, an 11.5 point favorite, the over-under total, 144.5. Kevin, are you happy or very upset to see Purdue as the number two team in the country right now? I can't come up with a single reason I'd be happy, I guess, because they can disappoint down the road. Yeah. I'll say this, and I mean this, if anybody out there watching or listening bet Trevion Williams to win Player of the Year, one, I'm sorry, two, can you just send me the ticket so I can see it? I just... Again, the guy was tied for the second best odds. He's now 60 to 1. He doesn't start on the team. It's just one of the funnier things to me. Here's reality on Purdue 5 and 1 to the over, 5 and 1 cover. Their mm. one non cover was as a 26 and a half point favorite against right. Indiana State. They won the game by 25. But where they are perfect and unblemished 6 and 0, oh, team total over. Bang. This number's under 80 tonight. Mm. Ooh, no, 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 no. I don't care what Florida State does. Yeah, gotta get after the over with a team total for Purdue. Yeah, I mean, Jay Nivey, Zach Eady, Trevion Williams. I mean, we're, we're watching this We're watching this team here. Purdue looks incredible. Also, and again, hate to say it, there's no justification for them to be 11-1 to to win national championship and Gonzaga to be plus 370. None. What do you mean by that? Like, the oh, odds are too long on yeah, Purdue? No, look, let's do the Gonzaga thing quickly. Okay. And this isn't... Look, I am not someone telling you Gonzaga's overrated or Gonzaga's not a real team or the weird Gonzaga plays nobody coming off of a game-playing Duke in UCLA and Texas. Gonzaga, at the end of the day, lost to Duke by three yeah. in a very, very good game. But nothing about it fluky. The, the only thing maybe is the fact that apparently Paolo Pancaro can't stop cramping in big games. It's a bizarre thing. Mm. But there is no world in where the Zags should be more than half the number of Duke and then about an $8 gap between them and the Boilermakers. There's a, like the AP poll is in the grand scheme meaningless, but at this point it's representative of I think what we're seeing is a tier one made up 
of the Zags, the Blue Devils, and Purdue, but it is currently being priced where Gonzaga is in Tier 1, Duke is in Tier 2, and Purdue begins Tier 3. And that's all a mistake to me right now when it comes to odds of the national championship. The value, basically, is on every team not named Gonzaga. That confused me because I wasn't used to you saying so many nice things in a row about the Purdue Boilermakers. I thought you were taking a knock uh -uh. at Matt Painter and company. I'm glad that you are not because I agree with you. Purdue was my pick before the year got underway to win the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament, otherwise known as March Madness. It would be the first national championship for the Big Ten Conference in 21 years in men's basketball. Kevin highlighted all of the great things about Purdue. I don't really need to add on in this game. I'll 11 and a half point favorite against Florida State. Again, Purdue is the second most efficient offense in the Ken Palm rankings as of right now. Purdue has scored 80 or more points in every game this year, 90 plus in five of the six. If they are going to give you a low total on the Purdue Boilermakers team total, you should take the over until proven otherwise. Florida State might have some of the length to compete with Trevion Williams and Caleb First and the 7-4 Canadian Zach Eady, but still, Purdue has been that good and that dynamic offensively this year that it's not that big of a total, and so it's not that big of a team total for Purdue, and thus you can look to find some profitability on the Boilermakers once again. A perfect 6-0, the number two team in the country, 11-1 to to win the national championship, and oh yeah, they are 5-1 and against the spread. The only time they did not cover, a 26.5-point favorite against Indiana State, an in-state rivalry, by the way, and Purdue won by 25 points. So Purdue is number two in the country. Duke beat Gonzaga. Duke is the top-ranked team in the entire country when it comes to college basketball. Duke takes that number one ranking on the road tonight to Columbus, Ohio against the Ohio State Buckeyes. At last check for me, it was a three and a half point spread. Now down to just three on the FanDuel Sportsbook against the Ohio State Buckeyes tonight. So the line working slightly against the Blue Devils here, Kev, by that hook, do you think Ohio State, who has struggled mightily to begin this college basketball season, can cover, possibly pull the upset tonight at home in Columbus? So look, it's actually even down to as low as two oh. now. So this is a number that is going to continue to drop here. I think it shows the value of home court in college basketball. Indeed. And I think a lot of people are going to see this line, and it's going to be one of two thoughts. It's going to be the pff, Duke, only lane two. Yes, sir. And then there's going to be the people who go, man, this line makes no sense. Give me the line that makes no sense with Ohio State. I quite frankly can't stand either side of that coin. Here's my thing when it comes to the Blue Devils. Is the cautionary tale that we saw Gonzaga put forward last night against Tarleton State. Now again, no reason to come on here and try and say the Zags are fraudulent because they were only up by two against Tarleton State with under five minutes to go. What really happened is Gonzaga went from basically playing March Madness caliber games against UCLA and against Duke and then went home and play Tarleton State. And I'm like, you know what? This doesn't matter at all. And then eventually they turn it on and win by nine, and who cares, right? Sorry they didn't cover the 31. You shouldn't have been laying the 31 in the spot. It turns out. If Duke does come out, Ben, a little like, nah, this isn't really, you know, uh, what are we doing here, right? I mean, this isn't Gonzaga. This isn't Vegas. This isn't the brightest of lights. They're going to lose this game. They are. But Duke is a better team. And Duke should win this game, and Duke has absolutely no reason to be resting on laurels. As long as you trust Coach K to keep a group of youngsters heads on, 
They should win and cover this game. This 147 total now live on the FanDuel Sportsbook is going to be the highest total for the Ohio State Buckeyes all year long. Yes, they have played five straight overs, but 147 is the highest total. Duke has played two straight overs, and both of those totals were in the 150s. Something to keep in mind because Ohio State's defense, the 57th, most efficient, so not great in the college basketball landscape, according to Ken Palm. What was so interesting to me, Kevin, about this game, when Duke was a three-and-a-half point favorite, mm -hmm. now down by a point-and-a-half to two live on the FanDuel Sportsbook, is Kenneth Pomeroy predicted, as he does for every college basketball game, Ohio State with a one-point victory at home tonight, 74-73. to 73. I often think that bookmakers have very similar algorithms to Kenneth Pomeroy, mm -hmm. and the lines and the predictions that Ken Palm has are very, very similar. Something to keep in mind for Ohio State and Duke tonight. College football is the focus next. That's here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, channel 159, alongside Kevin Walsh. And I mean literally alongside Kevin Walsh, live in studio together. I am Ben Stevens. What a time it is in college football. Conference championship weekend. And we will preview those games because do not forget, the games are also very exciting. But the college football coaching carousel goes round and round. And oh my goodness, some shocking news in the last two days. We, of course, on Sunday afternoon, some of us waking up from a nap to learn that Lincoln Riley was leaving Norman, Oklahoma to go to the bright lights of Hollywood out in Southern California to become the new head coach of USC. Nobody saw that coming. And then we had some more earth-shattering news late last night. Brian Kelly. Yeah, Brian Kelly, the head coach of Notre Dame, the all-time winningest head coach in all of Notre Dame fighting Irish football program history, all of a sudden is now the head coach at LSU, leaving South Bend, Indiana, to go to Bajan Rouge, Louisiana, from the Midwest portion of the country down to the bayou to become the new head man in Baton Rouge to be the new head coach of the Bayou Bengals and the LSU Tigers. Now, if you don't know this about Kevin Walsh and a lot of the Walsh household, huge Notre Dame fighting Irish fans. So Kevin and I were, of course, talking back and forth last night as I landed back here in New York City about this earth-shattering news in the college football landscape that Brian Kelly was leaving South Bend to go to LSU. So Kevin Relay some of your thoughts right now for the people. Look, so let's just start on the LSU side because they're the team with the new head coach. And at the end of the day, LSU moved heaven and earth to make this happen. And apparently it required all of heaven and all of earth to find the money to pay Brian Kelly. Some yeah. reports suggesting that he might make up to $15 million per year, which is an untouchable amount of money, I think might be double what he was making at Notre Dame. So quite simply, I'm not sure Notre Dame was going to be able to be competitive to keeping BK around as is. Now, there are some people out there who are slandering the hire of Brian Kelly, and I simply ask you people, log off, because you're embarrassing yourselves here. Five consecutive double-digit win seasons, multiple trips to the college football playoff, despite every 
single year, people go, get into a conference. How else do you want to get into the college football playoff? He just gets into the college football playoff. No problem. Also joined a conference last year, won the conference, went to the conference championship game, ultimately lost to Clemson. But again, yeah. if they would have joined the ACC again this year, they would have won it, steamrolled it For easily. Sure. Yeah. No problem. They would have been like number two overall in the college football playoff rankings. That is besides the point. And then there's a lot of comments around, well, what is Brian Kelly culturally uh, going to be in terms of the culture around LSU and Baton Rouge in general? They just care about winning football games. And again, this guy is the winningest coach in the history of Notre Dame. I mean, what are we even talking about here? It's obviously a great hire for an LSU team that was not going to look to take a shot on someone. They wanted what they felt like was a sure thing. And I believe only Nick Saban and maybe one other head coach is currently uh, with more active wins in college football. Not many more sure things kicking around than Brian Kelly as is. From the Notre Dame side of the coin, though, and I think there's a lot of people from the Notre Dame side that are quite upset. And I'm not saying BK went about this the best way. They quite literally could still make the college football playoff. But as Ben told me, this is the nature of college football. Recruiting is recruiting, and they just got things to do if he's going to be at LSU. But in terms of moving forward out Brian Kelly, despite all of the nice things I said about him, and I mean those things, I don't feel heartbroken by the move. Because it does in some way feel Andy Reid, Philadelphia Eagles-esque, and maybe Kelly hit his ceiling at Notre Dame. Make the college football playoff, and it might not go any further than that. So now you have the opportunity to open up this uh, job, and, and I think there's going to be a lot of interesting candidates, and we can talk about those, Ben. But I, I think that LSU got a great coach, and I think Notre Dame will be fine. Never forget two things about college football. First and foremost, money always means the world. So if you can make more money in an annual salary to go even to the SEC, that will mean a lot to a head coaching search. Also, Cruton, brother. And what I mean by that, mm. recruiting never sleeps. It does not sleep during the regular season when a head coach is trying to prepare for a weekly opponent on a Saturday given basis or in the offseason. So when these moves happen so suddenly and so rapidly in college football, when one day Lincoln Riley is losing in Bedlam to Oklahoma State and the next day he's on a plane to Southern California, it's because these things happen and you need to recruit right then and right there to make sure that you can still be an elite program and to make sure you can still have a premier recruiting class and you can still have those edges over your opponents. And LSU needs it because after the 2019 national championship victory, a ton of turnover in that LSU football program, Brian Kelly will hopefully be a stable force for that. The idea of Brian Kelly in the swamp, in the humidity, eating gumbo, and when the band plays neck, it's a wonderful picture right now on the sidelines for the LSU Tigers. What exactly does it mean for Brian Kelly? I think a lot of the questions around the move were, why go to the SEC, where you have fired two coaches in LSU's last tenure that won national championships in Les Miles and in Ed Ogeron to deal with all that competitive nature. That was some of the thought why, why Lincoln Riley left OU because he didn't want to be in the Southeastern Conference. That's dominated by Nick Saban. I mean, Dan Mullen reached an SEC championship game last year and is now no longer the head coach at Florida. But the money talks in this situation, and Brian Kelly does have a ton of resources there at LSU. And a shout-out, by the way, to LSU's athletic director, Scott Woodward. The man makes big swings and big hits pretty much each and every time. He was the AD in College Station, Texas at AM when they got Jimbo Fisher to leave Florida State to go to Texas A&M. This is what Scott Woodward does. He also hired Chris Peterson 
at Washington. He makes big, big moves, and this certainly a big move in college football. We can discuss some of the fallout in terms of the coaching search mm. moving forward here in later days because it moves quickly, and I'm sure we'll have an update maybe in this show, if not by tomorrow morning, on the Wednesday edition of the morning after. But let's not just allow the coaching carousel to dominate the headlines because do not forget it is conference championship weekend in the college football landscape. And the only team that Notre Dame lost to this year, the Cincinnati Bearcats in action in the American Athletic Conference Championship game on the brink of perfection. In my humble opinion, if Cincinnati wins, they will be in the college football playoff. A little bit still needs to happen to make that a certainty, but right now the Bearcats, a 10.5-point favorite against the Houston Cougars. Houston, Kevin, as you know, lost their first game of the year. Now they have won 11 straight. Since he has covered in two straight against AAC foes, which was big momentum for Luke Fickle and company to build heading into this conference championship game. Since he covering against SMU in a big way two weeks ago, and then against East Carolina on Black Friday as well. In the American this weekend, who do you think has the edge, Cincinnati or Houston? Well, you have to ask yourself, is Luke Fickle's head on? As he now Ooh. wonders about getting a job maybe Ooh. with the Fighting Irish. I say that somewhat jokingly. I say that somewhat seriously. Yeah. Not at the end of the day, there's nothing more important than the job that they need to complete here at Cincinnati. I agree with Ben. I believe this is a win and in scenario for the Bearcats. I think they've set themselves up in that kind of position. Now, Cincinnati has played very bizarre football. Realistically, over the last two months or so, since they dominated UCF, they basically had one really, really good performance. It was against SMU, which was supposed to be their trickiest game on the slate. I... I look at this spot here as Cincinnati and Houston. I look at a Houston team that is 2-0 as a dog. I look at a Cincy team that is due for a dog fight. And I think it's a spot where you take the points here because I just... Look, if Cincinnati can win this by a million, sure, great, good. But that's not really how Cincy's even approached these games that they should win by a million here. It's a spot where I am just more comfortable to taking the points with Houston because... I don't think it's inconceivable we leave this game saying, yeah, you know what? Those are the two best teams uh, in the American, and they're actually closer than their current rankings will tell you when we get the latest college football top 25. The Cougs have been an underdog twice this year. They won outright in both of those games. Mm -hmm. We know that Cincy at times has struggled against the number against conference foes because before two straight covers to end out the regular season, they did not cover in four straight as more than three touchdown favorites against the likes of Tulane and mm -hmm. Tulsa and Navy and then South Florida as well. So a big spot for Cincinnati, the second biggest spread of the conference championship weekend when it comes to some of these schools around the power five or the group of five or the cfp conversation the only biggest spread only bigger spread right now michigan favored by 11 and a half in the big 10 title game against iowa every total this year for houston has been 50 or more points cincinnati has played five of their last six games two and under something to keep in mind when you see that total at 53 and a half right now on the FanDuel sportsbook so if cincinnati wins they most likely will be in the college football playoff. You can make a very similar argument at the moment, given that Alabama does not upset Georgia in the SEC championship game for Oklahoma State, who is a four and a half point favorite against Baylor in the Big 12 title game. That over under total 
46 and a half, the second lowest total of the weekend. Kevin, as you know, these two teams played earlier on in the Big 12 regular season. Oklahoma State won that game and covered as a three and a half point favorite, 24 to 14 over Baylor. Can the Cowboys win and cover twice in the same year against the same team? I think it's another spot that you're better off taking the points here. I think it's going to be difficult for Oklahoma State to beat this team twice this year. I understand, oh, they beat them by 10 that first game. One, they were home. Two, they scored a late touchdown to kind of create the separation with two minutes left on a fourth down conversion. I remember it well. It was a part of his second half over that I still don't know why I bet. Even though it won, that game was a disaster in that perspective here. On the bigger conversation at hand, the Oklahoma State thing is really, though, more than anything, the reason why people say Notre Dame should join a conference and why Cincinnati is going to jump to the Big 12. Because Oklahoma State, all year long, has not deserved to be in front of Notre Dame or Cincinnati. But here they are. Oh, wait a minute now. One lost Big 12 champion. We've got a chance to get these guys in. Hey, let's get these guys in. That's really what's happening here. It's not because their resume is better. Mm. It's not because they're playing better football than mm. these teams. It's because, oh, look, a Power 5 champ with one loss. Let's get those guys in. Yeah, that is the precedent. By the way, Oklahoma State's only loss on the road in Ames, and they covered in that game. Tied for one of the best cover percentages in all of college football, the Cowboys. We look at the CFP picture coming up next here on the morning after. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Right back here on the morning after on SportsGrid, Sirius XM, Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens alongside Kevin Walsh for the second hour of the morning after that becomes the early after. Each and every Tuesday, Kevin is here with us for the better part of two hours. And each and every Tuesday, ahead of the College Football Playoff Committee, releasing its newest poll, I give you my top 10. But right now, as it stands, entering conference championship weekend, really the top six is all that matters right now. And because this will be the final poll you will get from me, the man known as Ben for Ben's top 10, it will be the top six because this is the final time I will get to do this and be a pollster myself before the final rankings to figure out who will be playing in the college football playoff, the top four, come Sunday afternoon. So here's how this poll will work. It will be what I expect the college football playoff top four to look like or what I think the most likely and realistic path is for the CFP top four come Saturday or Sunday rather. Listen, here's the thing. I'm not saying these are the best teams in the country as I see it. I'm not saying there will be a team better than the other. This is what I believe based on what we have at stake this weekend for the conference championships at play for what the top four will look like and where the teams will fall based not just on how good a team is, but the deserving nature of their resume. So with all of that setting the stage, it's time to dive in. And I think we're going to get pretty contentious here with Kevin Walsh just to my right, live and in studio together. So we begin at number six. 
the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Mm. I don't think that shocks Kevin by any means, although he might have some thoughts about it. Here's why Notre Dame is sixth. They are done playing football. And we don't need to discuss Brian Kelly not being there in the head coach. And even though there is a really realistic possibility that Notre Dame has a shot at the college football playoff, maybe without a head coach in place, Still, Notre Dame is sixth based on what they have done. They end the year tied with six or five other teams, rather, for the second best ATS record mm. in all of college football. Mm. Nine and three against the spread. They were booked as a favorite in nine of the 12 games. They were seven and two ATS as a favorite this year, covering by 8.1 points per game that was the third best cover margin against the number as a favorite all year long Notre Dame 30 to 1 right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook to win the national championship the sixth best odds so yeah they are the sixth team in my final top six of the season so before I dive into number five where I think we are going to have some thoughts from Kevin I will let him stump for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish one final time as we head into conference championship weekend one of my favorite things about Ben's top 10 now turned into a six-pack of college football contenders has been his inclusion of against the spread record where it adds the context of how impressive these performances are right and I often find my favorite time to bring up the inconsistencies in his Notre Dame's rank is not when Notre Dame enters the conversation, but it is the teams that come in front of them that they simply belong to be in front of. They lost to Cincinnati. They've won seven in a row. They covered in all seven of those games. They are as hot as any team in the country. As hot as any team in the country, yet seemingly being jumped here. Yeah. See how this plays out. Well, the reason, Kevin, that they are being jumped is because they do not control their own destiny. Their football is done as of right now as they await the results Mm. of conference championship Mm. weekend. That also takes into account the team that I have number five in my poll. That would be the Alabama Crimson Tide. And here is why Alabama is number five. Not because of how good I think they are or where they would be right now. Again, this is my thoughts on how the college football playoff will play out based on the results of conference championship weekend. Now, Kevin brought up the great fact of Notre Dame covering in every game since that loss to Cincinnati. Alabama really has not done that. Six and six ATS this year. They did not cover as a favorite in their last three SEC conference games, getting tested by LSU, that a one-score game, getting tested by Arkansas, that a one-score game, and of course, the quadruple overtime thriller in the Iron Bowl against Auburn. So that is why Alabama is fifth, because although they have the second best odds right now in the FanDuel Sportsbook to win the national championship at plus 800, working against them and doubling, in fact, from where they were entering the Iron Bowl to end out the regular season, Alabama is fifth because although they do control their own destiny and because of that Mm. have a better shot than Notre Dame does... They also can very easily have that taken away, as I do not believe they beat or even cover against Georgia in the SEC championship game. So, Kevin, are you okay with where I have Alabama, given the context of this final Ben's top six? Alabama may be the least uh, relevant ranking you will see either from Ben or anybody else because the game against Georgia decides everything. 
But with that being said, Alabama does not deserve to be in front of Notre Dame. They don't. And again, if it, what bothers me about this as well is you're doing the predictive ranking. Yeah. They lose to Georgia. They, don't, they certainly don't belong in front of Notre Dame. There is no planet in where two-loss Alabama gets into the college football playoff or finishes in front of Notre Dame or honestly should finish in front of your beloved Ohio State team. Oh. It doesn't in any way, shape, or form make sense. They're not playing well, nor do they have more than one game on the resume that is noteworthy, which is Ole Miss. The AM loss has fallen apart. The LSU game, nightmare. Arkansas game, unimpressive. Auburn game, nightmare. Nightmare. Backup quarterback TJ Finley? Are we... It is a disastrous performance from Bama due to the standards. They don't belong fifth or sixth or seventh. I agree. I think they'll lose to Georgia. But again, if they do, none of this matters because then obviously they'll not only be in, but probably end up number one. And Kevin is completely correct right there. This is predictive in nature. I'm giving you how I think the path looks heading into conference championship weekend and how it might look afterward based on the results. But we're still entering conference championship weekend. Mm. And that's why I have Alabama at five, Notre Dame at six. And I want to hit on one final point. I think you'll hear this tonight when the CFP poll comes out entering conference championship weekend. And maybe if Alabama does in fact cover but loses the game to Georgia. I think there will be a lot of talk about that proving that Alabama really is the second best team in the country talent-wise behind only Georgia because nobody has really kept it close with the Georgia Bulldogs outside of Clemson in the opening week of the regular season. Mm. So here is what I will say because you know I get flustered and rattled by the College Football Playoff Selection Committee really on a weekly basis. There is a different quality between being the best team and the most deserving team. Best team should be taken into account. Don't get me wrong. But the resume needs to be deserving as well. And Alabama's best win this year is against Ole Miss. That's it. Alabama's best win this year is against Ole Miss. So the resume also needs to be deserving. So let's compare the resumes for Alabama against the likes of Cincinnati and Oklahoma State. I have the Cowboys at number four in my poll and the Cincinnati Bearcats at number three. Right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook, in fact, Cincinnati has worse odds to win the college football playoff national championship at 16 to 1 than does Oklahoma State at 14 to 1. They were tied for the fourth shortest odds last weekend. They were tied just a day ago at 12 to 1 to win the college football playoff national championship. We have already said this, both Kevin and I. If both of these teams take care of business in their conference championship games and Alabama does in fact lose to Georgia, both Cincinnati and Oklahoma State will be into the college football playoff. It would be the first time in the history of the now eight years of the CFP we would have a group of five team like Cincinnati in the college football playoff. The reason that right now I have Cincinnati ahead of Oklahoma State is because Cincinnati is unbeaten. That being said, Oklahoma State, again, tied with five other teams like Notre Dame for the second-best record against the spread in all of college football. 9-3 and three ATS, and Oklahoma State barely mm. did not cover against Oklahoma in Bedlam. They were a four-and-a-half-point favorite by the time we got to kick on Saturday night, and they beat the Sooners by just 
four points. But Cincinnati still ahead of Oklahoma State. I have had Cincy ahead of Oklahoma State in every poll. And I do believe that if both of these teams win in their conference championship games, unless Oklahoma State blows out Baylor by 40 points and Cincy just squeaks out a victory against Houston, Cincy would be ranked ahead of Oklahoma State in the college football playoff. Look, I think right now you've got an Oklahoma State team that has all of the momentum in terms of support, mm. okay? Is it really in their results? Are we 24-3 over West Virginia? I mean, they probably should have lost the game yeah. to OU, but yeah, it is it is what it is. I will say this, and, and, and more and more we chat this out, if Bama wins, right, and we know Georgia is already in. Georgia, if they wanted, could forfeit the game yep. if they wanted to get a second SEC team in. And we'll talk about Michigan in a moment. I actually think there is a chance that margin of victory matters between Oklahoma State and Cincinnati. Yep. So that that is relevant when we're having this conversation here with the Cowboys and the Bearcats. And that appetite for a Power 5 team is real. We, we know it's real, whether you think it should be or not. We know that that is a legitimate thing. It's a reason why Notre Dame is where they are in Ben's reveal and, and even where they're again going to be when they give us the latest set of rankings. Yeah, because when the committee in the past has compared like resumes, a conference championship, uh, a conference championship has been a huge thing that the CFP selection committee has highlighted above all else. And Kevin's right. You will hear style points and you will hear margin of victory. In our industry, what does that mean? It means covering a spread. If Oklahoma State covers against Baylor, although the spread is much less for the Big yeah. 12 title game at four and a half than it is at 10 and a half for Cincinnati as the favorite against Houston in the AAC Conference Championship game, that will be a factor in how the teams are seated. Maybe not if one makes the college football playoff over the other, but how those teams are seated because you don't want to be four right now because you would take on the number one team in the country, the Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia is number one in my poll. I have Michigan at number two because, again, I think Michigan is in pole position to be the number two seed in the college football playoff with a win in the Big Ten Conference Championship game against Iowa. Michigan's odds to win the college football playoff national championship have become drastically better in the last day and certainly in the last week. 50-1 to one entering the game against Ohio State. 10-1 to one yesterday, 9-1 to one right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Georgia, meanwhile, is the heaviest odds-on favorite I can remember for a college football playoff national championship in some time. Minus 250 are the Georgia Bulldogs to win the national championship. In fact, Kevin, here's where I think the marketplace is a true indicator of how good Georgia is. They were minus 3,000 to make the college football playoff last week entering the regular season so kevin's spot on they could lose to bama by two touchdowns georgia's still going to be in the college football playoff but there's been a market up on the fanduel sportsbook all season long really since georgia clinched a berth in the sec championship games so last month and a half or so for georgia to be an undefeated national champion that used to be in the two dollar range plus 230 for that to be the case for Georgia, to be an unbeaten national champion. Then it got plus 180. Then it got lower to plus 150. That's where it was entering last weekend. Now it is minus 140 for Georgia to be an undefeated national champion. Speaks to how good the Bulldogs have been all year. Yeah, it certainly does. And look, Georgia deserves to be where they are right now. The consistency that they've put forward has, has been undeniable here. Georgia Tech punting, by the way, in the first half of that game at the Georgia 35. I'd fire every single person <laughs> on the staff. I'll, I'll add this last question to the people. Yeah. If Michigan loses to Iowa, 
which you all know you're wondering if it might happen. Who ranks higher, Michigan or Ohio State? Ooh, that would be very fun speculation on the Sunday following conference championship weekend when the selection committee gives us the top four. The new CFP poll out tonight. We end out hour number two asking Kevin about the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. That's next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out the second hour of the morning after the two hours of the early after here on a Tuesday on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 159, the new home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. I am Ben Stevens. It has been two hours of the early after because I've been joined live in studio by one of the co-hosts of the early line, Kevin Walsh. You can catch the early line each and every weekday, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern time right here on the grid before kevin goes we need his thoughts on something specific for notre dame it's time to play guess the line Now, I'm not just saying this to butter Kevin up. There is a very realistic opportunity for Notre Dame to get into the college football playoff. They do not control their own destiny, Mm -hmm. but a variety of things can happen on conference championship weekend to get Notre Dame into the playoff. Oklahoma State goes down, Alabama loses, Cincinnati loses, Michigan loses. Notre Dame needs one or two things to break their way, and Notre Dame is into the college football playoff, maybe without a head coach, but will be in the college football playoff. So, Mm -hmm. Kevin... Let's say Notre Dame is the number four seed in the CFP. What does the spread look like against number one Georgia? So I'm trying to think of this through because last year Notre Dame is the number four seed, plays Alabama. Would you say Alabama last year or Georgia this year would be higher in terms of where people are perceived? I would say Bama last year. Mm. And last year Bama laid... 18.5, 19.5, 18.5, 19.5, roughly, maybe even 20 in some spots to Notre Dame. Now, Notre Dame went out there and they went out there and covered that number. So, the answer is, what will the spread be? The answer is, of course, too high. Notre Dame plus the points, no matter what. Yeah. I, I genuinely think the Bulldogs would lay, I think the initial number is 17, and I think it just fluctuates. Either people are like, oh, give me Notre Dame, goes down to 16.5, or people are like, that's a bad number, and it goes up to 17.5. I think it's 17. Who's the betting favorite to be Notre Dame's next head coach, by the way? Uh, I guess Luke Fickle, but yeah. I know Big Dog Urban said it was the dream job. Oh, are we starting Urban Meyer to South Bend rumors? That's what we it. do here in the early after. Kevin Walsh, thank you so much. More of the morning after. Hour number three, up next. Dispensing little pearls of sports strategy wisdom like gumballs from the machine where your dad used to t- 